Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Dynamic Effect. So this is episode number one of the podcast, The Dynamic Effect, with me, Coach Kimmy Young. Thank you so very much for just wanting to come and to listen. Um, I told you in our very first trailer of the podcast that I really wanted this to be a place where women could just come get help uh, and resources and tips. And so that's what we're doing on today at The Dynamic Effect. But as a very first episode, I really wanted to be able to introduce myself to you all about how I kind of came to coaching and kind of really how coaching kind of came to me and how I'm willing to be coached in this process and this journey that we call life. So for the very first episode, today's episode is the desire of my heart. So the desire of my heart, right? We have a lot of desires and we have a lot of things in life that we want to do. But for many of us as women, uh, sometimes our number one desire is either um, we want to get married, we want to be an amazing mom, we want to be an amazing wife, uh, an amazing daughter. But for me, you know, my number one desire ever since I was a little girl, for people that knew me, it was all about wanting to just be a mom, wanting to create family, wanting to really cater to and present to my husband. And um, I've been able to do all those things in my journey of life. I, I am a mother of a beautiful baby boy. He just turned five. So we just had a great, trainastic birthday, Thomas the Train, and he's all into being a conductor. But um, what I am most excited about is that uh, the journey of life that I've had has led me to places that I've had an opportunity to experience more than just one pregnancy. So I've had actually uh, three pregnancies and um, and one birth. And that's what I really want to talk to you today about as a mother, the desires of our heart. Uh, I am honored to be a bonus mom. So we have a blended family. My husband, uh, when I married him, had two boys. And so we have Clay, which is the oldest one. He's now 13. Oh, yikes, and he's so much taller than me. And then we have our second one is Marley, call him Mars. He's the middle one and just full of love and joy, that kid. And then the last one is Romello. He, like I said, just turned five and he is like the king of the house and he runs everything. Let him tell it he's a boss, but he's not. And um, those are my three boys. And those are really just the joys that just keep me going. And, and wake me up every morning to just do another day of, of motherhood. And I have an amazing husband, Rondale, that supports me in raising those boys. So he is, um, I would say I'm probably the disciplinarian of them, but he really does get them aligned and put them in order. So I don't even have to do much disciplining, um, obviously, because he has you know, we have a kind of like a fear that we put into them as parents. Like, we're not your friends. We're not here to socialize with you and hang out with you and be with you as friends. But we're here to parent you and to guide you. And as we raise three young black men in America, it's really important for us that we put into them understanding of uh, equality, of love, of respect, of um, truth and honesty, integrity and leadership skills, being strategic in what they do, staying focused, learning how to be communicated with people, learning how to be disciplined in areas of life. That was so important that we that we build that into them. And we're, we've started them all very young, learning those characteristics and those 
um, attributes for a healthy, um, prosperous life for them. But one thing that I have always wanted since I was a little girl is I've always wanted a little girl of my own. So I just think it's so precious that there's this little tiny mini me, right? And the dads always think about their mini me as their sons. But for me, my mini me was my girl. And I wanted a girl that I could really dress up and make really pretty and put glitter and, you know, um, dresses on. And that's what I envisioned for myself. And that's what I envisioned for my life. But I tell you, God had other plans for me. So I want to take you through a little bit of my story. Um, back a few years ago, we're in 2020 right now. Um, but in 2018, uh, I had some great opportunities, right, to experience uh, my second pregnancy. Actually, which would be my third pregnancy. As I said, I've had three pregnancies and one live birth. So uh, rewinding a little bit before Romello, I had had a miscarriage at 16 weeks, and it was a huge disappointment, um, but I knew that I could definitely try again. So Romello was my try again baby. They consider it to be like a rainbow baby, right? And he came into this world just four pounds, 13 ounces, uh, such a little guy and just just so much heart and just uh, grit inside of him. And I, I loved him through every phase of his life and just love him to death now. Um, but the next thing I wanted to do was just try again for a little girl. Um, my husband and I went to Puerto Vallarta and anybody who knows me knows like I'm a planning mom to the T. So I'm like, I'm going to plan this and this for the trip and I'm going to plan this. And in between I'm, I'm taking out my IUD so I can plan this baby and I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to get pregnant on this trip. And I mean, honestly, I want to be transparent with you ladies. We do that, right? We have so many things that we set up as like expectations in our life. We set up our expectations of what our marriage will look like, set up expectations for when we'll have kids. I remember getting with one of my girlfriends one time and saying, okay, when I have a kid, you're going to have a kid. So we can raise our kids together. Like that's my life expectation. And, you know, soon our bubbles are popped because those expectations don't come to be. And how we play out in those expectations uh, really defines who we are. So if you have an opportunity and it didn't present itself like you thought it would, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay that the opportunity changed because that was the direction it was supposed to go. So on this trip to Puerto Vallarta, I successfully got pregnant. And uh, I've always been the one, although I planned so much in life, I did never wanted to plan what the, the sex of the child would be. And so even with Romello, I did not know his sex. We waited until he was born and they pulled him out and they said, oh, my husband said it's a boy and I knew it was a boy. And uh, that's how I've always wanted to be. So I just knew I was pregnant. I was happy. Things are going very well. And I uh, didn't want to know the sex of this child either. Really wanted to wait it out until little the, the little one had arrived. So uh, going a few months into it, a few months into my appointment, we found out that the doctors just kept saying the baby's just not thriving as the baby should be. And I said, well, what does that mean, thriving? Well, it's just going on the smaller side, but it's not uncommon because Romello was was small. So I really took that as um, just a sign that I might just have some complications as I did with Romello. He was 37 weeks, which by the standards of Kaiser, the medical facility, that's considered almost full term. Um, he came and my water broke. It was, you know, very simple and easy delivery, I could say, per se, for, for what I had to deliver compared to what I've 
heard other mothers go through. So I was just in my mind thinking, this baby is just going to be similar to Romello's. I'm going to have a lot more appointments. I'm a little bit older. So that's an expectation that I would have of, of a doctor, right? Is more personalized care. So my appointments were every couple of weeks in the transition of having these appointments. We were purchased a home and we were moving different areas, being close to family, preparing for the arrival of this little one. And things were really excited because I just knew in my heart of hearts, like I went and did all the tests and I gave the little envelope as I did with Romello to my mom of what the, the sex of the baby would be. I didn't open it. I gave it over to her and I said, hey, you take this and you hold it. They, they already know what the sex is, but I, I really just want to wait until the baby's born. So I didn't know. Um, but I, I knew that things were just different. I wasn't getting as large as I was with Romello, but again, I didn't get large with Romello. I see some women that like, I love that pregnancy belly. I didn't have that, that big. Again, he was only four pounds and, um, I'm little in structure. So I, I just didn't really extend out or have a big belly of pregnancy. Um, so I didn't expect that with the second one, but I just wasn't getting as much movement, as much activity with this child. And um, it just began to start feeling different. And, but I just kept saying, you know what? This is just what pregnancy is and every child is going to be different. So I just kept going on about my regular routine. And um, it was close to my 24, 25 week of uh, checkup. And I went to the doctors and I will never forget this day because my cousin, Melanie, who has really stuck through me through a lot of different um, events in my life. She she went with me to my appointment. She had to go with me to the appointment um, just as a, as a support person. But it was that day and it was that moment uh, when we were in the room, I'll never forget it. And as we were waiting for the doctor, we were talking about, she said, you still don't want to know the sex of the baby? And I said, no, I don't want to know the sex of the baby. I really um, am just excited about it, you know, and I just have so many plans for the new house and the new room. And when she, the doctor walked in uh, and the doctor said to me, how are you doing today? And I said, I am doing wonderful. I said, we're just in here talking about the sex of the baby. And I want to let you know that I don't want to know the sex of the baby. First off, that's what you always have to tell them when you don't want to know. So I said, just to make sure you know, because I haven't seen you before as a provider that I don't want to know the sex of the baby. Um, but going back a little bit a week, I had already did some blood tests and some other ultrasounds for this specialized provider that I was seeing on this particular day. And when she came in and she set her papers down, she said to me, I will never forget it. The sex of the baby is the worst thing you have to worry about right now. And that just put like this heaviness all over me. It was like nothing else at that moment mattered because my mind immediately went to, if I don't have to worry about the sex of the baby, then I have to obviously worry about other things that are going on. And it was already not a smooth pregnancy. And just as blatant as she could, which to me at some point, I felt like it was a little bit unprofessionalism, um, as easy as she probably sees so many women and tells them so many outcomes of their children through these medical exams and, and lab results, she said to me, this child is not in a good place. This child is not healthy and will probably not survive this pregnancy. 
And I just, I did not know what to say. I did not know what to take in. It was just so much at that time. I had so, I had so many questions, but have you, have you ever had so many questions that you couldn't even get them out? That's what it was for me. I could not even formulate words. I, I, she was just talking and I was hoping that Melanie was kind of grasping what she was saying because all I heard is I would not have this baby. And at the time I didn't know, um, what to what the expectations were of me and what I should do but so many things just started running through my mind of what I thought this life was going to be like um and in the end she said but you have some choices but you have choices but they're very quick and this is why we do this appointment at the time frame that we do it so because we do so many labs and ultrasounds at the beginning phase and at the middle and towards the middle of your 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 pregnancy because you're 40 weeks and I'm 24, 25 weeks at this time, we have to do it at this time because we need to be able to give you some results. And medically, these are the results that we're giving you. And you have to make a decision. The decision is one, you can either try to keep the child, but based off my medical knowledge and institutional uh, knowings, she said, you will not deliver a live child. You will have delivered a stillborn because the child will not make it into a further term after a couple of weeks. And then she said, or secondly, you can decide to terminate the pregnancy and go through a process of a surgery process to remove the child. Um, then there were a couple other things that came into play that she told me about if you decide to terminate the pregnancy, you have a greater chance of having more children. You can get pregnant again. We can go over some labs and some testing. If you decide to go on with the pregnancy and try to you know, go, go forward, you take the risk of not being able to have a child. Or if you do deliver this child at such early of a phase as so little as this child is, is the child will have many, many health conditions and um, will not have really what she was saying is like a fruitful or successful you know, life as such a small little child, um, if they're even able to do surviving attempts of the child, which would be when the child is born, being able to hook them up on IVs and put needles in them. And uh, it was just so much information, but the appointment was like in 20, 30 minutes, I tell you, but, I mean, I remember all of the options and all of the things that she was starting to say. Um, I left there, called my mom. You know, I just said this pregnancy is really, really bad. And I walked her through what the doctor had told me and talked to my husband about it. We took the evening to really discuss it, kind of not discuss it but just knew that a decision had to be made and I had to make it within, I want to say about six days. Um, California law does not, uh, did not allow you at the time, you could not terminate a pregnancy without a medical cause after so many weeks. And so I was in that really small phase of time that I needed to make that decision. Um, and for a couple of days, I said, I just need a couple of days. And ladies, I want you to know that for those of you that have been through a situation that's very similar like this with a child and um, during a pregnancy is that there are some things that are within your control and there are some things, if not a lot of things that are out of your control. So when I kept 
having this monkey mind thought process that the issue was that the baby was not getting a lot of fluids and we couldn't figure out why. And not, not a lot of fluids means your amniotic fluids are low and then they're not getting oxygen to them. Um, they're not getting a lot of good blood flow. So that's why the baby's head was getting bigger because blood seems blood goes to the brain to make it work much better, but the body was extremely small. And so um, my thought process was if I drink more water, I could increase the amniotic fluid. If I went vegetarian, I could increase it. If I did some walking, I, I mean, I started to Google everything. Have you ever just like went online and like been your own provider? And you just start Googling stuff. And then before you know it, you're like, I don't have this, I have that. But the doctor specifically told you what you had, right? But you want to believe it's something else. It's okay to, to, to want to do that. That's a natural thing. But what I want to teach you as a coach is that it's what we call monkey mind. And it takes you off into other little places of what things could be, should have been, or what you think they are. But the reality still stands that you have a sick child that is not well inside of you and what is going to be your decision point. And for me, I wasn't coaching at the time. This is really kind of what brought, this is what brought me into coaching later when I identified these areas of, of my life. But at the time, I had an amazing coach and mentor, which was my mother. And she coached me through a lot of areas and walked me through seeing, uh, seeing the best version of what life would look like with or without this child or with or without this procedure. And uh, really taking truly what was the medical advice of the results in the test and putting those side by side to say, this is what life is and this is what I want it to be and what's the reality of it. When um, I made the phone call to my provider, uh, I actually called and consulted with a couple other doctors that were not on my case, but other doctors that I know personally. And I said, this is what they gave me. These are the numbers. These are, this is the pictures. These are the exams. And they told me based off my knowledge, my education, my experience and my training, this child will not survive. And this is where it's important to have a great circle of good resources, women. I cannot tell you how many people that came to mind that I thought of in this field. And I looked through my phone and I said, who could I call and ask this question about, oh, that's a nurse. She worked in pediatrics. Let me ask her. Oh, that's a doctor. She works pediatrics. Let me ask her. She's a doctor in general medicine. Let me ask her. Let me call him, you know, let me call my uncle and ask him. There are so many people. If you, if you can learn to be resourceful with the circle of people that you have or the connections that you have, right? We have the social media. It's like use it to your benefit and get information and resources to people that you really trust and that are in your circle. And that's what I did. And it all concluded to the same end ending that I didn't want, but was the reality, which was that this child would not make it even through the pregnancy, let alone through a delivery. And uh, it's then that I made the final decision along with my husband that we would terminate the pregnancy. And I have to say this, and I feel like I have to always preface my conversations with people with this. I feel I used to have to preface my conversations to people with this is that I do not believe in abortions. I want to make that very clear. But one thing, so for me, it was a struggle because 
for my religious background and for my personal beliefs, I do not believe in the purpose of abortion. I truly believe that if you decide to create a child and bring them into this world, you need to follow through on that promise and that commitment that you've made between you and that person that you have been with and that child. And so my intentions and everything in me was like, I need to do this for this child. I need to birth this child in this world for the purpose of having this child in this world, because that's my, that's my belief. That's my feeling. But that's not, that started to really come down when the evidence of what the expectation of this child would be. And so when it started to really weigh differently, that's when I made the best medical decision I could have made. So ladies, I want you to know that when you are faced with the challenge of health of your body, you should at the consultation of your doctor from whom you are providing and paying a lot of money to, consider taking their advice along with some additional um, second opinions of other medical providers. It doesn't have to just be that one provider. There are many more in your network and you can always go outside you know, to a different provider and say, hey, I want your expert opinion. And when all three or four opinions end up being the same in result, that's when you know you can make a good sound medical decision. And that is what I did for my health and for the health of the child. One of the hardest things that I've ever had to do was make a decision as such. Um, and it started from there. We only had a couple days time again before we kind of reached that uh, gap of legal legalities uh, of terminating a pregnancy. And uh, that's when it became very difficult. When I finally said it out loud that this is what the decision I had made was to terminate the pregnancy, we went ahead and went forward. And uh, the first appointment was, there's two appointments. And the first one was the most difficult appointment. I wrote about it at the beginning uh, of becoming a life coach and what that process looked like. It was extremely difficult. My mom and my cousin had went with me. Um, my husband had some some other things and some other engagements with that uh, was was perfectly fine with. We had the communications and I knew what needed to be done. He supported me in every single step and process of it. But I really wanted my mom um, and my uh, support cousin there with me. Um, it's nothing like a mother's love. I, I tell my clients that all the time. It's like your dad can fill the gap, your husband can fill the gap, your kids can fill the gap. But it's nothing like a mother's love that's standing with you in that gap, in that moment of time. Uh, they went with me to this appointment. Your pre-appointment is a very, very challenging, just as they would take a needle in to, to put, uh, to take out amniotic fluid from you, ladies, right? A big long needle. Uh, this was an appointment where the needle was actually filled with chemicals to stop the heart of the baby. And that's not the same day that they do the procedure. So they do the procedure the following day, but they actually have to stop the heartbeat the day before they go in to do the surgery. Um, so I, I'll never forget it, you know, laying there on my back. And I said, I just want to hear the heartbeat one more time. And the doctor said, no, our machines don't work. I truly don't believe that the machines didn't work. I just believe that he knows that um, in this practice of doing this with women is that once you hear that heartbeat, once you you start to re rethink, am I making the best decision? You've already made the decision. You're already there for the appointment. Um, so 
he injected this fluid into my stomach and I did not feel anything other than just a little bit of a pinch. But again, there was really not a lot of, there was no movement for this child because the child was just too small. And so it was emotionally, it was a lot. The moment he did it was just like, almost like for those that have lost a child, like you can just feel the space of just like the child you know, that spirit just kind of leaving you, leaving from your heart, leaving from every part of you physically and emotionally. And the room just felt with so much sorrow. And the nurse that was in the room, she felt just the sorrow that I had for the loss of this child. She probably seen so many women come through there that just did this procedure because they just didn't want the child or because you know, there were, for whatever reason, she's, she's probably seen them in a, a whole gamut of reasons and, and ones that wanted the child. But she was pregnant herself and she had to be about seven months or so from where she was showing. And for her to walk through the doctor through this process and to see me and just laying on the bed and just in tears crying at the loss of this child, um, I could see she began to cry. And my cousin crying, my mom crying. And uh, as the needle was coming out, I just knew that that was the end. And so I knew the journey ahead would be to me a little bit easier because the hardest part was then the hardest part of stopping the child's heart uh, to me was the most difficult part of it all. Um, so I went home and as you could imagine for 24 hours, you're walking around with what you perceive to know is a deceased child, your child with inside of you. But I just, I held my belly for the night. I talked to the child. I just reassured myself and my, my husband, everything would be all right. And that this was the best medical decision that we could make as a family for ourselves and for my health. The next day, my husband took me to um, my appointment and that is the surgery. And the surgery is uh, what, before and you get to 20 weeks, um, probably a little bit earlier, they do what they call a DNC, which is you could just go in and just clean the uterus out and take the child out and, and whole and intact. But at this far along in a pregnancy, they do what they call a DNE, and you really have a formation of a full child. And so you have to, as they explained it to me, you know, break, sometimes break the child down to be able to pull the child out the uterus. And so that is really in all of like a, a, a delivery. It is a delivery of a child, but I made a decision that I obviously I did not want to see the child um, seeing that there would be a lot of disformance and dismembering of the child to remove them from the uterus. And uh, I had this really amazing God gifted and God sent doctor. Him and his wife had been through this a couple of times. So not only was he able to speak encouraging words to me, but he was able to speak encouraging words to my husband. And, you know, ladies, we go through these circumstances in life and we think that we're in this alone or that we're doing this alone or that it's all about you and it's all about how you feel in this moment. But you don't realize there's people on the back end of that. Your husband, your spouse, your mate, your partner is a direct um, influence on what is happening in your life. And it was important for my husband to hear those words because as women, we get so much, oh, love, oh, I'm so sorry, oh, no, no, no. But, you know, the men are expected to be strong, be brave, don't cry, don't shed a tear. They're, they're taught that real early in life. And the doctor says, I know what you're feeling, Mr. Young. I know the position that you're in. And I want to let you know that um, it will be okay. 
and that I will take care of your wife and that you all will be able to successfully do this again if you would like to. And uh, that was really reassuring to him, but it was good for me for, to hear him tell Rondell that. Uh, so he took me back in for surgery and they put me under. Before they put me under, they said I was singing a song and I, I was just really in a place of just calmness and ease. The nurse was singing with me, so they tell me I was out of it. But as they put me to sleep and as they did the procedure, um, the next thing I knew was I woke up. I woke up in the recovery room. And without even asking about it or even thinking if it was even a possibility because they said the baby was so small, uh, the nurse came to me. Actually, I think it was the doctor that came to me or it could have even been my mom. I can't remember as I was vaguely coming out of recovery. They came to me with this little card and uh, I was like, well, what? No, why would I give you a card coming out of recovery? But, and it says, um, for always, always in our memory. And I opened it up and there was the little baby's footprints. Oh my goodness, the cutest little tiny footprints. And my heart was happy. It was hurt, but it was happy because number one, somebody else took the time to think about something that I had not even thought possible in my head. I believe it was my cousin had asked him if it is possible, if we could get prints of the baby's footprints. Um, and that to me was just so thoughtfulness. And so I was so grateful and so happy for that. But I was sad because as they handed me the card, what they told me was, here is your little baby girl's footprint. And uh, just that is when, again, I felt it, the tears of just overflowingness. Um, and so much emotion that this was my baby girl, right? This was my chance to have that little girl to dress her like I wanted to dress her, to put her in bows and glitters and dresses. And uh, this this was that time, you know, this was that time that was altering and life-changing for me. Because again, I went back to that monkey mind that I must've did something wrong. I didn't do something right. I could have done more. And realizing that as they got me dressed and as I left out of there, I said, you know, the opportunity to learn is that this isn't over. This isn't the end game, right? Life wasn't over for me. Baby girl goes on, goes to a better place. I truly believe that she is happy and singing and dancing on the golden streets. But um, for me, it still hurts. But I still knew in my heart of hearts that I made the right decision and that it wasn't my fault. And that's one thing that I um, want to talk about today is real quickly is it's not your fault. Um, we gather things in our mind that want to conclude, come to a conclusion that at the end, right, it's something that I did or it's something that someone else did, but get that out of your mind and know that a loss of a child at any cause that you can medically prevent it is not your fault. Number two, it's something that you cannot change. And number three, allow to give yourself permission to feel the pain that you need to feel for however long you need to feel it. It has been three years past and I don't feel sadness about it. When I think about it, I think about um, the great moments that I had as being pregnant with a little girl, but I don't let it hold me back. I let it push me forward. Um, 
And I even created memories for it. So I have sweet memories is what I call them, my memory wall, where my oldest, from his birth to the middle birth to Romello, and then to baby girl. And there are her little footprints and even her little ultrasound. And her. I even have her pregnancy stick from when I announced the, about the pregnancy. And so these were sweet memories for me. I put these up in my hallway and I walk past them every single day. Um, when I'm feeling down and out, it's okay for me to know that I can wear a, my little necklace that um, has her ashes in it. And this is, um, you know, she she was a big enough. She was really still small, but she was big enough to the point to where we could put her, um, have her cremated and put her ashes in. And then we got a Build-A-Bear where we were able to take the Build-A-Bear and inside of the heart of the Build-A-Bear, I was able to put um, her ashes inside of here. And so these are sweet, special memories for me. And those are the things that I want to encourage you ladies to do is that even in the loss of a child, even in the loss of something so special to you in your life, it's okay to create memories. It's okay to um, have a part of you uh, somewhere so that you can really recall how you got over Right? How did I get over this moment and this time of my life? And so um, Hadessa Adele Young is what we named baby girl. And uh, Hadessa being Esther in the, in the book of the Bible, strong, powerful woman, saved her nation for such a time as this. Adele came from a very special and sweet woman that I know personally that had so many challenges with motherhood herself, but she overcame them. And it really just set in my heart to name um, the baby after that. And then Young, so Adele, uh, Hadessa Adele Young uh, is my baby girl. And that was the desire of my heart. And, but I wanna let you know that there's so many opportunities in the future. Things aren't done, nothing is set in stone. We could do this again if we wanted to, but with the three boys, I tell you, it's a lot of work. And so who knows what will be in store for me. But I want to let you know, in this first episode of this podcast, this is what I want to be able to show you is that let that monkey mind go, let the expectations of what life you think should be, and be willing to hold on to sweet memories, enjoy life, enjoy the people that are here with you, because you never know when it will come to a stop. You never know. So enjoy me next week as we do episode number two of The Dynamic Effect. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. See you next time, love. Bye-bye. Bye, Adessa. We'll see you guys next time. Take care of The Dynamic Effect.